I'm telling y'all, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, we know we have people watching in West Africa. And we want to thank you for being faithful to this. And we pray that God would give you what you needed uh, there in your place, your village. Praise God. So I, I, I want to talk about owning a revival culture. Is that okay with y'all? Does anybody know what the first revival culture topic was? I ministered on it three, three different times. Sir? One accord. Family. Family. Spiritual family. You can't have a revival culture unless you have family. Because family is the government of heaven. Now, what, uh, what was our second one? What did we do Sunday? How about the goodness of God? Talked about the goodness of God. And then I kind of lamented that I didn't get to read. I ran out of time last Wednesday. I didn't get to read 1 Corinthians 13. But I'm going to put it in at the front tonight. <laughs> Something might get left out, but it won't be that. Verse 4 of, uh, in the Passion Translation, because we were talking about uh, love, and love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Say amen when you get that. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Isn't that glorious? But it just, it convicts all of us. Every one of us in here are convicted of, of uh, saying, I, I can... I can take that. I'm in control of my emotions. I'm in control of what I say. And so uh, we'll do better. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And there's no condemnation. Oh, my, no condemnation. We're quickened in our spirit to rise up and be, be who we are. Hallelujah. So I want to turn to Acts chapter 2 real quick tonight. Acts chapter 2. You know where we're going. You got it, don't you? Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. We're just uh, setting a little foundation, a little setting, uh, a little uh, beginning here. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. If you go to the end of the chapter, of course, it talks about all the things that happened after Peter stood up and preached on that day. Culture, we're going to just review for a second. Culture is the way of, uh, the way of life for groups of people, whether, whether it's a family, whether it's a, a couple, or whether it's a church, whatever it is, whatever group there is, it's the way they do things. And when people get married, they bring two cultures together and they have to hammer that out. If one of them is very dominant and very unyielding, uh, it causes trouble because the other one like, OK, I could do that, but that's. That's not what I'm used to. That's not the way we did it. I can change, and everybody does have to change, I suppose, compromise there, to form a new culture. 
Am I in the right room? Hallelujah. So what is a revival culture or a, uh, a culture that welcomes revival among the nations? It's an embedded, word-based values, goals, and practices. And y'all know that. We've talked about it every time. But it's word embedded. It's something that comes out of the word and we're quickened. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and you were telling them the story? And as soon as it came out, you knew it was like gravel. You just knew that wasn't right. I've done it a bunch of times. Not so much up here, but just, you know, you know. And so, but it's the first time you've heard yourself say it. And so you go back and say, you know, that wasn't true. That wasn't right. That wasn't complete. And sometimes you have to repent to the one that you've uh, told them that. Uh, I wrote down three words. It's the three words we have here at River Church for this year. Stalwart, resilient, and fierce. The Lord told me that he wanted River Church to be stalwart, resilient, and fierce. And we are in a quest. We are stalwart. We are resilient. We are fierce in our quest for a move of God in our lives. Not just revival, not just to be stirred up, but to have a culture where God can do something with it. You know, stirred up and, and ready is one thing, but you got to receive the thing you're ready for and, and flow with what's coming. So uh, we talked, we, you just answered it. Uh, revival culture begins with spiritual family. And I just read in the Passion that spiritual family has to walk in love. We should walk in love with everybody, but we are concentrating on the family. Um, then Sunday, we talked ex uh, about living exclusively, exclusively in the love of God. Excuse me, in the, in the goodness of God. Pardon me. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. Let's, let's uh, pick this one a little bit. Exodus chapter 3. You've got to go way west to get into Exodus, of course. Chapter 33. We are living exclusively in the goodness of God. And it'll take some adjustment. And you'll think, well, I'm already doing that. I got that down. Then, then you will someday look up and you have a bad attitude. You have a negative attitude. Or you find yourself agreeing with someone that's blaming God. And you'll realize, I've got to work on that. And we do. In chapter 33 and verse 18, look what it says about goodness. It says... Uh, this is about Moses and Moses is having a hard conversation with the Lord and he tells the Lord the Lord said my presence will go up with you and Moses said if you don't do something with your presence we just soon stay here without you we're, we're not going and, and God said uh, uh, excuse me and, and Moses then comes back at him in verse 18 and he said I beseech thee speaking to the Lord show me thy glory yeah, it's kind of like in the conversation, he's wanting proof. I need a deposit. I need a little sec security here. Uh, show me your glory. If, you, if you're going to take us up and do for us, show me your glory. And the Lord said, he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. The word goodness there is the same word for glory. But it's translated goodness here. I will make my goodness come before you. So it's obvious there was, there's, no, there's no revival without the goodness of God. He asked him to show me 
Show me your glory. And God said, well, you can't handle it. I'll show you my goodness, which has got glory in it. And you know the story where he hit him in the cleft of the rock and all that. Now, I want to proclaim and declare tonight before River Church and the whole world that the good news is the bad news is wrong. Let's say it together. The good news is the bad news is wrong. And that's your whole life. That's my whole life is sorting, is picking through, is sifting, uh, uh, filtering. What, what is truth? What is not? What is good news and what is bad news? You know, we can get real lathered up in this next month and well, it's just four or five weeks in this election. We could get real lathered up. Well, I mean, <laughs> frothy. <laughs> and, uh, and we're all tempted because we're dedicated people. We're not lackadaisical. We're not uh, insincere. We, we want righteousness to prevail, whatever that looks like. We want to live in a country where our leaders are Godward. And the word says in Timothy that uh, we may live in peace and godliness. But we, we got to resist getting emotionally on a tangent or on a branch of where we're supposed to stay. We know what you want. We pretty much know. You, we all know we're in agreement. We don't want people that uh, take the lives of babies. We don't, and that's the main event. We could, we could splinter off, but I don't want to disagree with anybody because it, it's like the rapture. It's going to be what it's going to be. The rapture is going to happen just like it's going to happen, and what you believe is totally irrelevant. What I believe, you know, I'm a, tri I'm a mid-tribber, I'm a po No, it doesn't matter what we believe. It's going to happen like it's going to happen. So it's the same thing with politics. We should pray. And we're not praying so much for one man or one woman so much as we're praying for our country and praying for those that God would put in us. When the righteous are in office, the people rejoice, the word says. So we're, we're looking, based on that, we're looking for the righteous. Am I right? You go, well, we hadn't had election in a while where you didn't have to say he's the least unrighteous there <laughs> or, or the least evil and whatever that is. We've just had to choose the, the lesser of two evils, so to speak. Ah, God's always going to work with imperfect people. He's always going to work with people that hadn't got it together. You know, if President Trump had been a religious man, a spiritual man, a Presbyterian or a Catholic or whatever, he likely wouldn't have got into office because all the other people that are polarized by what he is and they aren't, they vote against him or whatever. Well, I don't vote for a Catholic. President Kennedy had that big deal. I remember my dad having a conversation and he was just a Catholic in, in the office. And, you know, that was big in the South back then. So my point is we got to stay on point. Our job is to stay on point. And not get lathered up over this detail and that detail. Uh, I listen to what the prophets have said, and I agree with them. But, um, you know, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. Y'all say amen. It's going to work out for us. It's going to work out for me. If you can't agree with us, but I'm agreeing with me. It's going to work out for me. It doesn't matter who's in office. I want everybody to, for it to work out for everybody. But if they all go another way, I'm going to, I'm going to stay true. So um, Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. We looked at that. Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. What an interesting verse. The message says, Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Boy, don't you know he's good? And a lot of people don't know he's good. 
They don't know. They're as polarized as they are in this election. Like, ah, this is, this is the Antichrist. And they're pointing to, people are pointing to the other one. You know, it's like, well, we, we got to get it, got to get it right. God is good all the time. Uh, Psalm 136 says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. Ever. Past your little mistake, past, past our big blowout, past what we blew, blew up our life. Ah, the Lord's good. If he's good, well, then we can be good. And so we could translate, we could distill that down to say in our age of grace that we're in right now. Y'all know we're in the age of grace. We're in the time, the dispensation of grace. Grace is everywhere and it has been since the Lord Jesus went to the cross. We've had grace and God is not dispensing justice to anybody for sin at this time. He laid it all on Jesus. So if he got it, we we don't need to carry it. He laid our sickness and our pain on him. So we shouldn't be carrying that. But, but in light of that, we could say that God is in a good mood all the time. Well, you and me get cranky, especially you. <laughs> but God's in a good mood all the time. <laughs> Amen. Romans 2, 4. I'm just going to read it to you. you. We already looked at it, but I want to get this in again. I want to, I want to, we want to, when they build a highway, they put down two layers of asphalt or 60. I don't know, but there's always more than one. And we need to, we need to pave our lives with the truth, not just one and done. You know, here we are interested in mastery, not exposure. So we just, it's like, is he going to talk about it again? Well, somebody didn't get mastery because he's going to talk about it again. It says in Romans 2, 4, despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Not knowing. Are you a dummy? Are you uh, like a hammer, a bag of hammers? You don't know anything? The passion says, do you realize, I love this, that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness, and we looked at that word kindness means sweetness, is meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance. And the Amplified, I like it, it says, the last part says, instead of repentance, it says to change your mind and inner man to accept God's will. So a revival culture, a culture that's anticipating, that's looking for a move of God, we have to have some foundations in there. We have to build some rooms to hold what God is bringing. And a lot of people are sleeping in the tent, living in the tent, so to speak, spiritually. And there's no room for anything but for me, my four, and no more. They're, they're going to church. They're believing doctrines that God's interested in me, and I'm only interested in him. But we got to open up. The family of God, I'm in love with y'all. I've been telling the Lord how much I love y'all. I always have, but I'm, I'm centered and zeroed in on it. Hallelujah. Uh, so you know what we've got to do? Here's what we've got to do. We've got to start praying. If we're going to pray for ourselves, this is what you should pray. Lord, surprise me with your goodness. Because you know why? He wants to. I looked up Ephesians 3.20 in the Passion. It says, never, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. Isn't it great? He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. This is the Bible. This is God. 
He will outdo them all for his mighty power constantly energizes you. So the goodness of God, he wants to surprise you. Oh, I like it when the Lord surprises me, when he does exceeding abundantly. But you know, if you know what's coming, it's not a surprise. Don't be opening your Christmas presents in November. It's hard to act surprised on the 25th. Hallelujah. So I want to go to a third topic or a third facet of revival culture. And, you know, there there's, could be a gazillion, but we're going to hit the few ones that have to be in there. And I'm going to call this... Uh, a rich life of hope and faith. Y'all knew we had to get faith in there, don't you? Yeah. Uh, lots of, there's lots of cultures that never make it to the end of the runway with, and lift off because they're, they're not in faith. They, they're into works. They're in the law. Like, well, we did this, and we, the book said do that, and we did that. Got to get in faith. You go, well, faith's just for when you're in trouble. You're going under the third time and whatever. No, it's not. Faith is a positive thing. Faith is not just meant to be your life preserver. It's to build the highway of your life. So in Hebrews 11, can you turn there with me? I would like to look at that scripture. Hope and faith. Well, what is the difference between those two? Hebrews chapter 11, you know this verse. And it sums up both of them in verse 1. It said, now faith. So he's in the middle of a thought. He's in a discourse here, and he comes to chapter 11. You know, there was no chapters or verses in the original writing. It says, now faith is the substance, the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Would you all agree with that? That's it. So it says substance is the faith is the substance of things hoped for. So I looked up that The Amplified says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof. Faith is the proof. The substance is the proof we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Real good in the Amplified. Praise God. So there's two elements there. At first, it says uh, faith is the substance. Here it is of things hoped for. What is the meaning of hope for? Because we need a culture, a revival culture that's got hope and faith. That it's not mechanical. It's not just you open a workbook and you say, do this and do this and you'll have revival. There's got to be some some believing. Everything requires faith. Amen. So I looked it up and I studied around and I meditated on it today quite a bit. And I believe that uh, the things we hope for is the answer to our soul. When our soul needs an answer, our soul, mind, will, and emotions, it's the dream that you have. It's the desire you have in the Holy Ghost. It's what you want. It's what you desire. I looked up Mark eleven twenty four. Y'all know what that one says. It says, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, and then part two, believe that ye receive them. So there's the faith part. The desire part is the hope part. The, the faith part is believe ye receive them and ye shall have them. So it's a perfect verse like this Hebrews 11 one is. So uh, uh, that verse says, what things soever ye desire. So 
your hope is what kind of gets you targeted on what you believe God wants you to have. Now, you're going to move the faith gun in there and, uh, you know, and it's going to take care of it. But this is the the aiming part. This is that part. I said it's the recipe that faith will bake. Hope is the recipe. It's like, do we want to live this in this house or live in that house? Well, we're in faith. It'll just be whatever God brings. We, he'll, he'll tell us which one to go. That's not how it works. You meditate it. You get down and say, which house, Lord, and which city, and which church, and which mate? You know, she ain't real pretty, but I sure do like her. And this one over here, she's, she's, she's dense as a, as a shutterbug. And, you know, I got to know, Lord, which one to go, which way to go. And so that's hope. We meditate that. We sift it. We, we collate it. And uh, Romans 8.25 says, listen to this. 8.25, Romans. But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. So hope will zero in. It'll, it'll put you in the, in the telescope, as it were, the, the sight. It'll put the target in front of the faith gun. It, like I said, it'll be the recipe that faith will bake. And you go, well, we're just in faith about everything. No, you're not. Faith is specific. Is that right? Faith holds on, and if you just hold on for anything, you weren't in faith. You were just, you were just uh, in the world. So the, f- hope is the dream that faith will bring. So we have to have hope. So I'm going to ask you, what have you been hoping about? What have you been whatsoever things you desire? What have you been desiring? Well, a little this, a little that. Well, faith cannot ever come in and cook that recipe. You're going to put jalapenos in your in your peach cobbler, and it's just not going to be good. So we got to focus and say, what are we going to cook? Well, I got to pick like supper. Debran's always like, I got to figure out what we're going to cook tonight or whatever, you know. Uh, you got to have that recipe. What are you hoping for? I'm going to ask all of you, not individually, but just to say even in the camera, what are you hoping for? What is your hope? What is your dream? What is the desire that you hadn't even kicked faith in but you know what, if you get ready to engage faith and believe you receive it, you'll have it. So what are you, what are you hoping for? Well, if, you don't, if you're just in a church and just say, what will be, will be, que sera, sera. You're going to have what the churches have always been having. What will be, will be. And the devil has his finger in that pie. So that's not going to work. We've got to find out, do we want, do I want, do you want a revival culture in River Church? Now, we can get in faith about it if we decide, if we hope, decide, that's the thing I desire. You know, we can go through the word here and, 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 and find out where Hannah didn't have a child, and she prayed and wept before the Lord for a son, and, and uh, the man of God came in and, you know, said, you're going to have him. Well, you had to have a crying out to God saying, what things soever I desire. We don't do enough of that. We don't do enough dreaming. We don't do enough sifting. We just like throw it out there and say, we do say. We wouldn't say it for anything, but we do say without saying it, what will be will be. I'll take whatever comes down the pike or I'll deal with it when I have to. Now, this is big. 
We wait till it hits a crisis stage where we have to choose, and we say, B. <laughs> Don't y'all love that joke? Hallelujah. And so that's not the way to do it. We should dream when we've got 100 options, and we should say, God, this is what I want. People ask me all the time, what do you want for Christmas or your birthday? I'm one of the hardest people on the planet to, to figure that out. Uh, but I'm doing better. I'm going to start saying, this is what I want. This is what I hope for. And I got my faith on it. Now, what you get your faith on, you're going to have. What you hope for can be, is negotiable because it's in your soul and the Holy Ghost is helping. I said that uh, uh, in, in the, first, the second part of 11.1, he said it's the substance, excuse me, faith is the substance and you could just pass that and the evidence of things not seen. So it's a place marker. You go, what kind of place marker is that? Well, it's as real to you as the new car. But you can't drive it yet. You can't buy tags for it. But you've got it. And we do this more than we think. Y'all, we're in faith more than we think. We may not sit down and say, okay, what things soever I desire when I pray. And we may not formalize it, but it's a process working in our heart where we fix ourselves on something called hope and we line it out and then we start honing in with our faith and we see it. We start being non-negotiable. We start being... Uh, have such an assurance and confidence that nobody can put us off. Amen. And so we got to have that in revival culture. Uh, let me say this little term. I hadn't said this in a long time. Let me just. Faith and reality are the same. Now, people say I'm waiting on the manifestation. I'm in faith, but I'm waiting on the manifestation. No, you're not. You're not in faith because faith doesn't wait on a manifestation. Faith and reality. Now, listen, this is a big bite. You, to get around this bite, you're going to have to, you know, draw back and take a, a big jump at it. Faith and reality are the same. It is so not negotiable. So you are so confident. You are so assured of it that you don't even entertain a conversation about why it can't come to pass and why it won't come to pass for you. And it's rare we get there, but every time we get there, we have success. And if we, if, we, if we compromise the process, the faith process, anywhere in there, then we just are hoping. We have what we call a preference versus a conviction. I prefer to be healed, but if God has other plans, well, then I'll go do this and I'll go do that. Nothing wrong with that. It's just don't call it faith. Call it hope. Yeah. Amen. I, uh, so, but to go to the next level, say next level, you have to dare to hope. You got to dare to hope. You got to start getting out there and saying, you know, uh, this is what we always did. The Lord would tell us, and this is what he would say, believe me for a new car. Well, we weren't dealing with it. We weren't, it wasn't a wreck. It wasn't anything. He said, deal. He said, Believe me for a new car. So we'd get over there and we'd start calling a car in. And then he would, uh, then we started going to look for them. And then all of a sudden we'd see it. And it wasn't one that we really wanted. I remember the black Chrysler. I've never had a Chrysler. I've never had a, you know, never and never. But that was the car and it was on sale because nobody else wanted it. 
And so all these things added up. And then financially, we, we could not buy this car. But this car, he said, believe me for a car. This car just slid through. So I'm telling you, you got to get your hope up. you got to determine what you want. So what things soever you desire, what, what are you desiring? We've got to stop our lives. We've got to stop this busy, busy thing of making money and, and mowing the grass and all the stuff. Don't, mow, don't quit mowing your grass, but it'll wait till tomorrow until you stop your busy life and close yourself off and find out what you really, distill your heart. Have a good look. Knock, knock, knock. Who's there? Well, it's, it's Michael. Uh, you hadn't been here in a long time. We need ID. Your heart would say, your soul would say, you hadn't been here in forever. We've, we've got this place junked up with so much stuff. What are you doing here? And you said, I've, I've come to do business. I'm going to get my hope zoned in so I can get my faith on it. Because you can't get faith on everything. I'm just, I'm in faith about better. I'm in faith about God blessing me. I'm in faith about my finances be better. Well, that's a good confession. But that's not going to change anything. So we've got to cast our faith. I got, I've got, it's got to be substance. And substance isn't just an ethereal vapor or cloud. It's something. Faith is the substance. It's a reality. It is the reality. Now, you can't drive it, but it, it's yours. You, you have seen your car. You have seen your mate. You have seen your, your house. You, you have whatever you're in faith about to pass the test. You have seen it, and a confidence comes down you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, so we know what we're, hope, we know what we're in faith about because hope is holding it there. The evidence, faith is the evidence. You go, well, where's my car? Faith's got the evidence. It's, it's like, you don't have a car. Yes, I do. I have evidence. I have assurance. I have a title deed, and I have it. Yay. You know what uh, Romans 4.17 says? It's talking about Abraham, and it's uh, talking about that God raises from the dead, and what? Calleth things that... Be not, how else? As though they were. Well, that's what faith does. It just says, it doesn't matter what you say. But we did talk about it a few months ago, about faith attracting the contradiction. And this is the undoing of most people's faith, the contradiction. Well, why is that? Because we're calling things that be not. We're calling things that be not. And so there's a contradiction of what be not you don't have it as though it were. Your faith has it. And so there's a contradiction. You, you tell people, I got a new car. And they go, well, yay, let's see. What is it? It's, it's a Chevrolet. It's a whatever. Well, where is it? And there's the contradiction. And that's where most people blow out. Uh, a revival culture a move of God culture. And you know that's where we're moving towards. We don't just want to be zoomed up and have potlucks and, and t walk around just talking about what we believe and what we have. It's got to go somewhere. It's got to dump out. It's got to empty out of these four walls. 
But what have we got for anybody if we don't believe God is good all the time and if we don't really like each other? What have we got to share? I mean, everybody's evangelizing and passing out tracts and all that. It's, it's a mechanical, soulish endeavor. It's, it's hard to go to hell in America because you didn't know that Jesus was a Savior. Right. You, you don't know the particulars and you don't believe, but... So, we got to have something. Remember we looked at that verse that says... They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. That, that is a paraphrase. That is a, <laughs> I, I did butcher that, but that's, that's what it says. So what about faith? We've got to quit here, but let's, let's just say this. There's three things that I know about faith. It's, it's how you measure faith. It's how you can say, am I in faith? I, I believe. But you've you got to have pressure against anything to test the power or the strength of it. So one thing you can measure yourself is, is that faith knows. Well, are you, are you going to get it? I don't know. Yeah, faith knows. Faith says, it's done. It's so done, I can smell the, the seats. Right. It's so done, I've made a spot in my garage. I know i got to widen it out. So faith knows. So you can say, you know, I'm not sure. You just don't get condemned. Just back up and start working on your faith. Start, faith cometh or is, arises by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you've got to step back. Keith Moore said one time that he was believing God for a jet and he was having a challenge because it was millions, I'm assuming millions of dollars. And he said he could feel in his spirit that he had one wing in the fuselage in but there was a wing sticking out. <laughs> Y'all remember that? And uh, he said, so I had to go back in there and get that other wing in my spirit, in my faith. Well, that, now that's smart to know. If you just say, well, good enough's good enough. Close enough is close enough. No, you've got to have it all in there because you you've got to outlast the faith contradiction and you have to outlast the time lapse between you and you, when you believe you receive and when you have it, there could be a time lapse in there. Matter of fact, you know there is. Hallelujah. So, and the next thing that I've always said is faith rests. How can faith rest? Because it knows it's already done. There's no works in it. No works. I hope I'm good enough to get this. If you ever hear yourself thinking that, you need to back up and dig deep. Because you're living by the law. You're living by works. You're living by what you do. I hope I'm good enough. That's a big sign that you, you're in trouble. I hope I'm good enough. Because nothing in heaven is measured by how good you are. Uh, how, did I say that right? Your works. You are, we are good by the righteousness of God. And the last thing I got to go is I always say, this is the hardest one. Faith makes plans. Faith makes plans because it's not waiting on the natural realm. It's not considering the natural realm. Well, we got to wait until that thing moves out of the way so we can move up, like in traffic, so we can move up, so we can move up, and then the light will turn green and we can go. Faith it makes plans. It just says, I got this. So you just start making, a, you make an accommodation for it. You start making plans as if it had come to pass. 
I mean, we're not talking about stupid here. We're talking about where you, you know and you start moving out there beyond the natural realm. So you've got to ask yourself, and I do too, am I in supernatural hope? Or, if I'm, if, or am I just looking at the catalog? Go get me a new car catalog and just look through it and drool over that and, you know, and all that. Or am I in supernatural hope? I know it's time for me to get a new car. So that gives you your focus. You're not looking for a house and you're not looking for a boat or a motorcycle. You're looking for a car, for example. And so you, you start hearing that. Get in hope about a car. Get in hope about a, a house, whatever. Then as you start meditating the word, faith arises by hearing and hearing by the word. It'll start filling that thing in with substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence. You'll start seeing what is not visible more real or as real as what is visible. You'll know I've got it. Now that's how I've operated. And I've been through old Billy. I've been through old Billy and then come back. As they say, got run over by a truck and then they backed up, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, tough as it can be, I think. For me it was anyway. But I, the, there's been a few times that I just got in faith. And when you, in faith, as y'all all know, everybody in here has been in faith. You just know, I got this. I got this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I got this. And you're in faith. So, say this after me. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. is immersing me in his plans, his dreams, and his hopes. My faith is focused on pleasing God. My reward is the fruit of my faith. I desire to be changed into a lifestyle that demonstrates revival. Amen. Now, see, that's hope right there. We begin, and, and you can tell this is our sixth time. We're, we're, we're now just feeling the things moving a little bit. That we're just now sensing, I want a move of God in my life. I want to move, I want to be in a move of God. I want to be used by God. I want somebody's life to be changed by what's changed my life. And I want to be the instrument that takes and, and flows God into somebody's life. When you're full of yourself and full of works, that doesn't happen. But a culture of revival turns us not inward, but outward. We turn inward to, to process who we are, get rid of stuff that's junk mess, little things, little things, little things. We've got to get rid of little things.